0: Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the gift and blessing of life, for the hope you have implanted in our hearts, for the joy and peace you have caused to rise up among us, Lord, in this Easter season. We pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us today, that you would reveal yourself, Lord, that your Holy Spirit uh, would flow among us, Lord, that you would cover us with your grace and mercy and your love. We pray, Lord God, that this time of the sermon, Lord, would be a time um, for a great encounter with you, that you would interact with our hearts and lead us to a deeper understanding of who you are and how you work in this world and how you are working in our own lives. And we pray, Lord God, that you would bless us with humility, grace, and wisdom. Lord, give me your words to speak to your people and give us all your word to proclaim to this world. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name, amen. Please be seated. Morning. morning. I brought with me this high-tech prop for today. It's very beautiful. Um, so imagine it's made out of pure gold. Okay, pure gold. Right. That was kind of the challenge that uh, Archimedes faced uh, long, long time ago when the king came to him and said, "Archimedes, I want you to figure out if this crown is made of pure gold or." if the goldsmith has stuck some silver in there to save some money and so that he can reap bigger profits. Um, The challenge is, Archimedes, because it's a gift that's dedicated to the gods, you can't do anything to hurt it. Right? How would you solve that? What would you do? Right? What's that? (laughs) You'd tell a lie, Danny. That is a wonderful... You know, and that is the point of my sermon today. No, that's not the way it works, right? So Archimedes is wondering about this. He was a smart dude, right? He was the guy who came up with the idea of the, like, um, he said, give me a lever and a place to, what, prop it against or something, and I will lift the world. Like, he's a smart guy. So what is he doing? Well, he comes up with a solution one night as he's stepping in the bathtub, right? He gets in the bathtub, and what does he see the water do when he gets in there? Rises, and he thinks, huh, something's going on here. And so he comes to the king and says, I have a way to solve your problem. I have a way to figure this out. So he weighs the crown, so he knows exactly how much it weighs. And he gets an equal amount of pure gold, which he knows is completely pure. And he does, uh, first he puts the gold in a, a bowl of water, right, and sees how much water is displaced from the gold being in there. Then, takes the gold out, puts the crown in the same bowl of water, and sees, lo and behold, it displaces more water, right? Because silver is less dense than gold, and so you need more more volume of it to weigh the same amount. And so he dis- discerns through that, that in fact, the crown is not pure gold. The king has been duped. Duped. Exactly. That's right. So... Um, That's a pretty cool test, huh? Pretty cool test. There would have been an easier one, right? You just toss it in the fire, right? Melt it down. You'll find out what's inside that crown. But that would have not worked because it would have destroyed the vessel. No, it needed to be untouched. And that's why Archimedes came up with this water displacement plan to find out the volume of the crown. Now, the challenge still is before us today with trying to figure out what's inside of things, right? What's inside of it? I run into this every time I get a box of C's candies. <laughs> right? What is inside the thing? I like it when they include the chart, because otherwise I'm stuck with the, you know, the te- there's several tests, right? All of them end up doing what to the candy? They destroy it in some way, right? I mean, you can like bore a hole down through the bottom, hope nobody sees it. S- That's right. That's right. <laughs> So there's many ways to figure out, but all of them involve destroying the candy in some way, right? With ourselves, too. How do we figure out what's inside of us? How do we figure out what's inside of one another? How do we figure out what's in our hearts and in our minds? How do we discern that? Because despite all our modern testing methods... There's nothing we can do to see inside the human heart, to understand what's going on there. But God has a test. And in our second and and in our second lesson for today, um, the first letter from Peter, uh, he brings up this very issue. Not at the very beginning of our passage, but in there. He begins with a description of the hope that has been given to those who are in Christ. He says, by his great mercy, God the Father has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is the central message of Easter, the central message of the Christian faith. There is new life in Christ. His resurrection was not merely something that he did for himself, but something that has been done for us and for all who would come to him and receive him. New life can be ours. And from this new life has come an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, if a person will receive the gift that God offers them, the result of that will be new birth and all the benefits of being an heir of God. All the benefits. Now, one of those real intangible benefits that Peter spoke of in that last verse I read is that a person who is in Christ is protected by God. Now, what does this protection mean? Well, apparently it doesn't mean that you'll be protected from all difficulty. Right? Because Peter then goes on to talk about suffering. Right. And certainly if we look at Christ himself, was he protected from all suffering and difficulty in his life? No. No. It seems as though this protection has more to do with protection of your eternal state, that you will not be ripped from the hands of God, that all that are given to him will be brought to him like no one will be snatched away. That seems to be the concept of protection and in the inheritance we are. We are protected. We are children of God through Christ. But God does not apparently want to protect us from difficulty or struggle. Peter tells us, in this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials. These trials could have been anything from just the standard difficulties of life, To, up to being martyred for your faith, killed for your faith. But in Christ, these trials, as opposed to in this world, where trials can seem, you know, just arbitrary and random, in Christ, these things, these trials are not pointless. They are not purposeless suffering. Indeed, they do have a purpose. It says, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The difficulties were present in the lives of Peter's audience for the purpose of purifying the faith that God had implanted inside of them. Now, just as exercise strengthens the muscles that already exist, so too do trials strengthen the faith that God has placed inside of us. And God says that those trials are a good thing, are a good thing, because they cause a Christian to grow in their faith, and that growth will be revealed on the last day when Jesus comes back. This is good news, isn't it? Everyone was wanting to hear a good sermon about suffering today, right? <laughs> the reality is, is that as much as all of us despise suffering, we're well acquainted with it. It's all around us. surrounds us. We try to hide from it. We try to build walls against it. We try as much as we can to avoid suffering, but it's there. The hope in Christ is that it's not pointless. That suffering is a good thing. It is used for strengthening for redeeming, for building up. And God uses suffering to reveal what's inside of us and to purify it. Archimedes struggled to find a way to figure out what was inside of the crown that the king had commissioned. He came up with his dunking test and found that the guy was a huckster and that the crown was not indeed made of pure gold. Though ingenious, the test does not work in our lives. We can't get in the bathtub and see what we're made of, right? Can't get in the bathtub and see if we're growing in faith. To test our character and our ability to depend upon God, the Lord has given us difficulties and trials. And this might not be pleasant news, but it is good news. So where are you being challenged? Where are you being tested? Where do you feel pressure? If you have failed, take heart, for the Lord is merciful and quick to forgive. Repent and return to him. And just like the father welcoming home the prodigal son, the Lord will come running to us as we return to him. That's one side. If you feel like you've fallen short in the test God has put before you, repent and return to him. If on the other side you feel at ease, you feel like, no, there's no testing, I feel as though I'm drifting on a float in the Caribbean, you know, just pleasant and easy, a life of joy and never a discomfort in the world, this might, in fact, be the most challenging state at all, for how do we stay focused when there's nothing to focus on? How do we stay growing in our faith in God when it feels that things are all going so well? If you find yourself in this place, this place of ease and lack of concern in life, ask the Lord to strengthen and grow you even in a time of plenty and to not get complacent even though things all seem to be going well. In the midst of challenge or blessing, let's not weary of doing good works. For these as well reveal what is in us. And they can also provide a great avenue for the testing of our faith. As we seek to serve the Lord in this world, it reveals what's going on inside of our heart and presents us with times of challenge and difficulty. May we be faithful in our pursuit of God. May we be faithful in the midst of suffering. And when we fall short and fail, may we return to the Lord, confess our failures and our weaknesses, and may he build us up and strengthen us. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the gift and blessing that you give us in suffering, Lord. Thank you that you are one acquainted with suffering, willing to take suffering on for our benefit, Lord God, so that we might have life. We pray, Lord God, that you would comfort and put at peace our hearts, comfort our weary minds, Lord God. May you speak into our anxieties and our fears. And give us peace. Lord God, we confess to you that we have fallen short in the test. In the time of trial, Lord God, we have sought to depend upon our own strength instead of yours. We confess this to you and ask that you would forgive us. Lord, we have looked after ourselves instead of after others and after you. Lord God, we have sought to do what we desire to do instead of what you are calling us to do, and we are sorry and ask for your peace. Lord God, send us out into this world as instruments of your peace, as messengers of your hope, as proclaimers of the reconciliation which is ours in you. Lord God, thank you for sealing up our inheritance, Lord, so that it cannot be lost, Keep us faithful. Keep us growing. Keep us humble, Lord. And may we walk in faith with you. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.